Hello, I'm Carrie Gard and welcome to Tea Time with Tech Marketing Leaders. Holy smokes, what a season. 80 episodes under our belts here at MKG Marketing and what a ride. This season has really been some of the best collection of guests I've had. I'm so thankful for Amber Anderson for coming back and talking to us about the power of marketing as a recruiting tool. For Lisa McDermott, my hometown girl, talking about the importance of content and how to make many from one. And from Rachel Jordan and her passion for purpose and brand and all our other guests who I don't have all day to list here. I'm so thankful for each and every person. All of these episodes linked together around the real challenges we're facing as marketers right now. And each person showed up with a solid solution that I hope kicks off your 2022 into gear. My last episode of the season ends with a real solution, one that we're going to lean into this year as we continue to face staff shortages and hiring challenges, RevOps. Christina Kay, Vice President of Marketing at Reseller Ratings, joins me to talk about how, given her lean team, she's had to figure out RevOps and how it has impacted reseller ratings business and helped find major and important efficiencies across the whole organization. Let's take a listen. Hello, Christina. Hi, Carrie. How are you? I'm good. I'm so excited to have you. I'm very excited to be here. Yeah, full disclosure. I said this in the uh, in in the intro, but Christina and I worked together many moons ago. Feels like I, I wish it wasn't that long ago, was it? Last year? No, it was a year and almost a year and a half ago. I think now. Yeah, my gosh, time flies. Well, <laughs> Christina uh, was on the agency side with us, and she uh, jumped over to client side, and it has been it's been a ride. It has been. It's, it has been for sure. Well, Christina, why don't you kick off with your story then? You know, where are you? What do you do? And how did you get there? Awesome. Yes. So um, I am VP of marketing at Reseller Ratings. And when I first started here, I was their um, sole marketing person. Um, and my title is like head of marketing. And then I kind of being the person I am, dove in day one and saw what we needed to do, not in the side of the marketing, but in the side of just our processes and like technology we're using and data cleanup and all that fun stuff you kind of have to do. Um, when you start a new job, you don't really know what you're walking into sometimes. Um, and from there, I really connected with our executive team. Um, so Nishan and Bradley just saying, Hey, like this is what I'm seeing in the business. I know my, my title says this, but I think we should really focus on changing the data and cleaning up things and just getting everything streamlined because we can't really have a great marketing campaign or basis without all of those things in place first. So I worked with them a lot and then I moved up to VP. And so now I really am that person to work with Omnish on our go-to-market and then as well as that person, that's just our marketing stack guru, because I love marketing technology. Um, I've loved it for a while now. I think it's because I grew up, and I say that in quotes, but you guys can't see me, um, in just with my career, because that's kind of when it was hot and new in when I was in college. And so I kind of grew up with it and I love it all. And so I just found those different areas. And then I found those areas that are good for our business. And so now I run our um, RevOps and then as well as our marketing. Cool. Well, you, um, you definitely grew up with technology because we actually totally stole you from Bright Edge many moons ago. Yep. Um, Correct. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yes to that. I, I could attest to that. Um, <laughs> Before we get into the bulk of our conversation, which I'm really excited about because it's what you're doing today, and I think it's a lot of challenges, it's going to help a lot of marketers out there who um, are having similar, uh, who need similar things. 
But before we get there, Christina, what is one challenge you're currently facing? Oh, goodness. Um, I would say, and this is, it's a blessing, but also a challenge. So being that go-to like person for marketing technology and, but then also having other things to do during the day. So my challenge is finding those champions internally to kind of help me. So I don't always have to be that go-to like, Hey, this is not working. How do I do this? Find those champions internally and kind of give the reins to them. And for me, that's um, trusting them, but also just not worrying and not just like staying up at night, making sure things are still connected, but being that just like go-to about like, oh, how do you reset your password on a certain platform, things like that. Because yes, like I, I'm fine with people asking me it, but um, just find those champions internally are going to help me save time and be more productive, which is an operation in itself. So I think that's the biggest challenge for me right now. Tech support. Yes, basically it's, um, yeah. And I mean, it's, I, I love my team and it's so funny, but if they ask me more than once, I'm like, let's, how was I have you Googled it? Like, you know, I was like, because I'm pretty sure it's there as well, you know? So it's, and our team is a young team. So I'm like, I know you guys know how to use Google. I call it the Google machine. I'm like, I know how you use it. So let's Google it first. You know, let's take a step first. And then once I have like someone that does it all the time. So he's like my go-to for our AI software. Um, just because I don't, um, I don't have time all the time to like respond right away. Cause it might be a thing that is urgent to them, but not urgent to me, you know? So finding that um, champion internally is definitely a, um, thing to do. And I, I'm working on that, which is a challenge for me to let go of that, but so definitely a challenge. It is sort of like this, I'm finding this shift sort of in the universe of people being like problem solvers, mm-hmm. right? Like it's yep. a, it's just, it's just a different mindset. And I think, I think it comes in, in line of fear of failing and scoring, oh. and making a mistake. Like, mm-hmm. you know, they're yes, so scared. Exactly. And I feel, I will say though, um, with our team being like a younger team, I will give them a lot of props that they do ask the questions, the how it works or how to do something. Cause some people are nervous to do that because they want to look like they know. So I give them that prop a hundred percent because I'd rather them ask and then me have it to like rework some automations, like, you know, so yeah. it, it's a, it's a double-edged sword with that one, I feel, but um, it's, Problem solving is, I think it's definitely a skill that is something someone, they have to work on it. Some people have it like just naturally and, but some people don't because of so many blocks and it's internal blocks. If it's, um, they don't want to be perceived a different way and they don't want to do certain, like a certain thing, like kind of like what you were saying. So I feel, um, it's definitely a lesson that we all can get better at. I feel like we all can be better at problem solving, you know, because we will go to our our tendencies to problem solve the same way we do every time, but that might be the right time or the right way um, for certain things. So I feel using your brain in different ways um, for that is helpful. And I describe it as um, I like think of my brain, (laughs) this is going to sound so crazy, but um, kind of that we all have a brain. It's like a waffle, you know, and each compartment is a different thing that, you know, and sometimes jumping to that part, might be new to you. Like if you think about it with like maple syrup, like that hasn't like oozed to your side yet, but eventually it's going to mix and it's going to come together. So you just kind of have to trust yourself to like jump to the next square when you're problem solving. I love how it always goes back to food with us. It's the best. Yeah, I know. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Let's switch gears and talk about, you know, because I think in line with what we're talking about, of you having a really young team, and the challenges of that in and of itself, the other challenge with having uh, just in the marketplace today in terms of hiring, Christina and I and a few other friends of ours, we are going to host a live roundtable on LinkedIn in Q1, where we're going to talk about going from agency side to client side. And a big part of that conversation has to do with the market and where it is today and really the, the great resignation. I mean, it's, 
it's hot. It's the hot topic. And for good reason of um, people really wanting to carve their own path in terms of their career and their journey. And so hiring has become, I don't want to say impossible, but like, <laughs> I also want to say yes. Yes. So you got to jump to that next square in your waffle to feel like, okay, let's find a new way for this. You know, um, it's, but it's definitely, I mean, it's hard for sure, just because you're competing with so many other companies that could be giving so many things to sign on. Um, but also then you have that fear of that person going somewhere else because there's something shinier and new that they're offering. Um, because talent is so scarce right now. And it's not like people aren't talented. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying, just like to find those perfect people for your business. Um, it's hard. And I know at MKG people first is so huge. And you guys do in your interview process, it's really big on like who the person is, not just like they're an expert in a field, which is very important, um, which is what you guys have. But it's also just that culture people fit. And it's, if you're a good person, and sometimes that's hard to read on a Zoom or like the intentions behind it. Yeah. So I think the great resignation is twofold from what I'm here, from what I'm seeing and reading out there in the universe across LinkedIn, across, I'm part of a bunch of groups. And really, I think it's, it's coming down to two things. One is people are demanding a culture that fits into their life now rather yep. than work fitting into and rather than life fitting into their work, right? They're, they're prioritizing life, which is huge. And, yeah. and especially with the pandemic still not over. Yep. Um, it's not guys. I know it's hard. It's hard. Mm -hmm. Got to make that waffle jump. Pandemic is not over. Exactly. Um, so I think that's part of it. If people really like, you know, if they're in an environment where they're being pushed back to the office, they're going to throw their hands up in the air and say, I can find better. So there's that. And then I think the second part of it is, and this attests to you having a younger team, Christina, is the talent we haven't invested as, as a collective universe in marketing and advertising. We have, we've been trying to move so fast, fast and furious. We haven't invested in, in people coming out of college. Yep. Cause so yes, yeah. <laughs> I mean, and the thing too is, um, and like, as I am seeing, cause we like had someone that was like, not freshly out of college, but like, it was not far from graduating. Um, and he knew stuff sometimes that I didn't, you know, cause those courses are different. They're learning stuff or hands-on things that maybe we learned our senior year last year of it, just because of our internships, you know, but just like any textbook with college um, sometimes you have those books that have been around since like the fifties or something, you know, but when it comes to marketing, I feel like those could change quarterly, you know, and not even having a textbook and maybe doing some type of um, collaboration with a publisher that's in the marketing space, like demand gen report or something like that. And using those, cause those are true, like real time marketing things. And I feel like the class of marketers coming through the next couple of years are going to be, it's going to be a different breed, which is good for all of us. And it's going to be a breath of fresh air because they woke up, they were basically babies with social media, you know? Um, and they, they work their algorithms, especially like TikTok. They know, they know everything on that because they live and breathe, they live and breathe it. So I feel like it's going to give a different light to it. So, but then that's building that talent and, keeping that talent and keeping them engaged and wanting to learn and grow because that's why people stay. And if, um, cause I mean, money is one thing. Yes. Perks are another thing, benefits, stuff like that, but really feeling challenged and like that you have a growth path is one huge part. I feel like people leave or, um, with this like great resignation, but I definitely agree that kind of investing in that, new class coming through because they are, they grew up like, yes, we grew up with technology, but they grew up with social media and they probably have more followers than like a company does, you know, just them <laughs> as a person. So they probably know like what to do. Like, obviously like uh, influencer or um, content creation of personal stuff's a little different than business, but 
in the back of it, it's all the same. Um, and it's just like knowing that audience. And I feel the class coming up really does know that or how to find it. Yeah. And I think they're going to be, uh, to your point, I love what you're saying of needing a career trajectory. Cause I think they're going to mm-hmm. be hungry learners. Yep. Exactly. And want, yeah, they are. So we, you know, as companies, we need to think about the infrastructure of our organizations to bring those mm-hmm. people in because when we're trying to move so fast and grow so quickly, you know, sometimes we feel like we don't have the time to invest in that, you know, and I think we're going to have to figure that out to your point. I think they're going to be savvier than we've ever given them credit for. So we got to lean into that. Agreed. Figure it out. We got to figure it out now because hiring is hard. Exactly. But the good thing with that is with things like RevOps, um, it's new, but not new, you know, it's definitely a hot topic. Um, but that's a thing that people could grow into because it's not a something that you just start because you kind of do have to have that background in CS sales and marketing to have that operational mindset for it and that strategy mindset for it. But again, that's like a way that someone could grow into it, even if it's a new salesperson, like an SDR, and they go into CS and then maybe they dabble into marketing or they work for a marketing technology company. Um, it's I feel like the career trajectory is gonna is changing as well, but because of things like RevOps and um, AI, there's just so many things that we don't even know, like you know that is coming, oh um, that I think it's gonna be good for all of us. Yeah, to your point, Christina, you know, what we're talking about, you know, the great resignation and hiring being a challenge, and there's definitely steps that we can take to help with that um, in terms of finding the right people or training the right people. One, one solution you're looking at, and you just brought it up, is RevOps. And I feel like this is becoming more and more important. I think it's, I think it's been important for the last five years or so, but I feel yeah. like now it's going to be actual, it's going to be the foundation of any organization because you're going to need to figure out how much you can automate so that the people you're bringing in can be more strategic rather than doing executional work that, that our yep. tools can do. Exactly. So let's talk about that. Let's, um, in terms of what you think is so, you know, RevOps is where you're sitting right now. You're facing all of these challenges. Where do you begin? Like RevOps is huge. There's so many tools yeah. out there. There's so many challenges out there. Like where, where do you even start? Yeah. Um, so where, where I started and where I would tell everybody to start is just look at your current tech stack. And I have um, a template that I will share with Carrie and she can send it out. Um, and it breaks down each kind of area of technology that your business would use. And even it comes like the finance side too, is like everything on the mm-hmm. spreadsheet. Um, and I used logos because I'm a picture person and I like visual stuff. So I use logos in my boxes, but you can use just words. That's fine too. Um, and I saw like the crossovers and then, um, I saw where we could eliminate a tech because one technology that we currently use has that or, um, upgrade or switch completely just based on our current, um, goals for growth and scaling. Um, so I would look at that with your tech stack um, and see what you have first, because, and that's asking questions to people that you might not talk to all the time. Um, Cause I uncovered so many different things that we were like using and paying for. And I'm like, goodness gracious, like we're, mm-hmm. I shouldn't say wasting money, but essentially kind of, you know, so yeah. um, I saw that. And then what I did from there is, I created this like ideal dictionary per se of the tech that we use every day. Like you log into every day and I have this template as well. And I wrote down basically a overview of what the tech is. So this would be almost, you can use this for onboarding for people or just for the exec team to kind of have that viewpoint of it or that high level um, view of it. And then I broke it down use cases for each person like logging in. And from there, I saw, okay, what could be automated? What could 
be changed completely, how we can get out of Excel spreadsheets and Google sheets, Mm -hmm. because I always say like, if it's, especially if it's not like on the cloud, what if someone's like sick and they, like their car snowed in, I'm in a place where it snows. So that's where my brain went. Um, and they can't come to work, but someone has to take their meeting, but really important notes or stuff on Excel, you know? So I mean, those processes to automate in the sense of having it on a cloud or making, building like your CRM um, or your like CS tool, like whatever it is that you're really focusing on to do that, uh, make it, make it essentially that Excel sheet. So you don't have to ever worry and everything can be in like one place. And so everybody could talk the same and walk the same in the sense if someone had to jump in for that meeting. So start by looking at your current stack, like really with a high level view and not um, try not to be, um, try not to go in so deep in the sense of you want to change everything right away. Um, I would say it's definitely a process, which is part of my, my quote unquote definition that I say RevOps is, it's definitely a process and it could change within a quarter. Obviously you don't want it to change all the time because then you probably should have taken a deeper look at things in the beginning. Um, but so, yeah, I feel starting off with just writing it out. And even if it's like a whiteboard, even if it's like a piece of paper, just putting pen to paper, putting logos on a screen just to see everything and then diving in deep to each of those. If you know the technology, if you don't obviously read about it or even talk to the person who owns that like technology or that contract to see what what's going on. And you can have that full view of it and have that conversation with your exec team and come with knowledge and come with that backing because essentially you're going to save them money in so many things with, if it's with the technology or if it's in automation side, you don't have to like hire three heads to do a certain thing that could be very automated. Um, So just start slow. I will say that. um, And just really look at your current tech stack and then from there, dive a little deeper into those and write use cases for each. And then you could even write um, your like wish list of things that would happen in automation in there. And then use from cases, there, hold on, hold on, yes. in terms of use cases, do you mean mm-hmm. like, because I find that a lot of tools try and do one thing really well, but then try and tack on other things that maybe they do okay. So when, mm-hmm. so when you're talking about use cases, are you talking about like, what the purpose of this tool is, why do you need it? And why does it exist? Um, so I am actually talking about it in a way, like, for instance, in my doc, it'll say like SDR, CS, um, account manager, marketing, and then exec team. And I write down each, uh, reason why they would be in there or reasons why that they, um, could possibly use that software eventually, um, how it could connect with other technologies for them to make automations or just honestly their life easier, things like that. Those are um, those are the use cases per se that I uh, I used or I am relating to. I guess you could say. Yeah. Because. No, that makes sense. Yep. Because in my mind, that's how you can see the full view. Because you could look at it just with the logos and have little idea, but talking with those people, interviewing the people in the business that you don't know what, how they use those softwares. It could be their main thing and you don't know. Um, so talk to those people and that's how what I did. And for me, that's where I really show, it showed me um, the depth or not or lack thereof, I guess you could say, of the technology or the things that are missing with it or the things that we just don't even have integrated or connected and, or maybe they didn't have time to do a certain thing. Um, Just seeing that full view because it helped me plan out the process for our um, RevOps modeling. Um, And I mean, it also helps the tech that you work with because in this doc, I have like, how is it working for your company and like wins, losses, and maybe rooms for improve, like room for improvement, because obviously we all personally have room for improvement and <laughs> technology does as well. 
So having that relationship with um, that tech partner could help your um, rev modeling as well. I feel like this would also help with uh, identifying whether you even need the tool. Yep, exactly. And that's where the saving money portion happens. And we kind of went through that this past, I think in July, I started really ripping and replacing, I guess you could say, um, certain technologies or even enhancing or upgrading um, ones that we currently have um, and establishing that relationship, that partnership with that vendor, because that's important too. And it's like a win-win for both of you, because you guys could do like case studies together. You guys, you could be a like customer resource for them and they could even like help you and like talk about your business more. And instead of the software on your CS calls, it could be more about strategy and planning for 2022, um, having those relationships and having me being that vendor partner relationship person, I guess you could say, and our tech stack go to, I'm on those calls all the time. And those, those calls are, there are a lot sometimes because they might be like monthly, bi-weekly, weekly, maybe quarterly, but just really having that, um, that pulse on the business, um, with your tech stack is going to really help you scale and grow, especially getting rid of ones that may not work for your goals right now. Not saying that it won't forever, but just that you kind of see it in the sense of how is it growing us? Is it helping us? Is it more work than it needs to be? And with that being said, me being the technology person I am, and I go to a conference and I see all the shiny swag and stuff like that at different like vendors, I'm like, oh, I want it all. Like, you know, so like my brain goes <laughs> that way. Um, just because I do love like tech and I love like marketing technology and just ecosystems with that and integration. So it's not, it's a double edged sword in my mind because it's like, oh, I want it all. But then it's like, no, Christina, don't, <laughs> you know? So that's RevOps in a nutshell, really. <laughs> well, yeah. Cause I was going to ask, you know, when you have so many tools, so, all right. So my use case is, and this isn't a marketing use case. This is a, um, operations one is, you know, we just moved back over to Gusto for our payroll mm -hmm. and Gusto has this handy dandy little feature, um, where when you add a new employee, you can sync it up to your Google ads, your Google, um, email and Google drive and all of that, where they actually create the user for you. So cool. Which is awesome, but also like terrifying. So how oh, do you yeah. balance, right? Like, did they get created and was it the right thing? And did they get the right license yep. and what happened? And like, do you just mm -hmm. trust the technology that it did the thing it needed? Or do you take baby steps? Like, how do you, it, I feel like there's, yeah. there's this balancing act between making sure things actually do what they're supposed to. Yeah. So, <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, it's definitely, it's like you close your eyes and click the button. Basically, you know, you're like, hopefully this is it, you know, and you are worried obviously. Um, but I feel like it, it's baby steps, but, um, cause we did a certain, we did similar things and we did two things, two bigger moves, I guess you could say. So we went to HubSpot CRM and then we switched from DocuSign to PandaDoc. Um, and one teaching internally, how to do certain things that was obviously in itself things that are, we're still working on those things, but, um, the Panda doc connects very, it's very integrated with HubSpot. And so having the team trust that when they create a deal and they create it within hub within HubSpot and they click create document that the right proposal will like they click the right proposal, hopefully, which they normally do. And that all the information from HubSpot and like their token or contact or company record comes in correctly. You know, it's that hopefully it happens. And so um, we obviously look and everything like that, but for me being the person who built it, I'm like, Oh crap, this hope this works, you know? Um, and I've tested it so many different times. I have like three fake companies within our CRM. And I, if I change something in the document, I test it again. And then with that, I like did this whole automation process that um, elimin eliminated about nine to 10 steps that people had to do, which really equaled probably like 
two to three hours um, in the sense of like manual work. But with the automation now does it in seconds, you know, and like that's yeah. and that's seeing that view and talking like I had no idea that was going on until I talked to the person and I was like, what? Like, no, we can do this this way, you know, and that that is part of like RevOps because the person is like our head, like accounting person. And she now can really focus on like that forecast modeling, have those meetings with the execs and things like that about um budgeting and forecasts and everything like that, you know, so it's more time to focus on those things versus the manual steps, which um, I'm not trying to like over-engineer and automate everything, but there's some things that definitely can be automated, especially if you have like a system like, um, like HubSpot or even like using Zapier to do some things. It's, it's like the crazy world of automation is super cool. But like you said, scary. Cause it's like, does this work right? Did it did they send the email to put their credit card in? Like, there's just so many things that you can um, think of. But for me, I just kind of go with it and I trust yeah. it until I have reason not to. <laughs> and then I see like where it fall, like it fell breaks. through the cracks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's especially scary when you're talking about email. I know email has been around forever, but when you're trying to put all these automated systems in that are much more complex than just sending out a newsletter, mm-hmm. and you're scaling it. It, it is a little worrying when you're talking about thousands of people going through uh, oh, yeah. an automation. It's, it's scary. Oh yeah. Especially if it's like signing up a new customer and then, and then like emailing them to create their profile and making sure that profile has the correct amount that was on their contract. Like, you know, there's just like oh, so yeah. many things like that, that is um, for me, like, that's why I test it so many times. And I even have someone else, like one of the the um, account execs who does this he's, he's amazing. Um, he sells, he's the, one of the best salesmen I've ever seen in this tech space. It's crazy, but, um, making sure it works for him. Cause like, I know how it works. So I know what I should do and I know what to do if it doesn't work. So I want to see what he does, do you know, so I can then help him with that, but also make it so that it's kind of error free and I don't have to worry about it not working or if it doesn't work, what happens? Things like that. So when you have all of these, all this tech and all of these plays or the, all these automation steps, do mm-hmm. you have it written down somewhere? Like how do you keep track of it? Yep. All? Mm-hmm. So, um, I have it in video. So I have looms. I create looms of me going through all the processes Um, as well as me just talking, like just face on camera, talking, no screen um, about it. And I have a folder with all of that in it. And also when I kind of talked before about those common questions people ask to me about our tech stack or how to do certain things, if I get a question more than once or twice or something, I create a loom for it. And I am like, okay, so there's a gap that I need to remember to do this certain thing, you know, when we add on a um, new technology or I need to be more clear on a certain thing. So for me, it's like a learning experience in that side of it. But Loom has been a um, saving grace per se, because Mm -hmm. one, you can see who views it. So if, if someone is messing up every time and you showed them and, but they're, they haven't viewed the Loom, you know, that's an issue, but you know, you're like, okay, so it's, this is not like a me problem. This is a problem that we need to work on together, you know? Um, and so Loom has been a saving grace on that for like writing it down. We also use CodaDoc on writing down a lot of the automations, especially when it comes to, if you talk about like marketing specifically, um, like workflows and things like that, just so I can send it out to the team saying, this is what's going out just so they know, especially for new prospects, um, they can, they know what we're sending out. So if someone does call or book a demo from that email, they know what to talk about. And they don't, it's not just like a blanketed, oh, this is our software type of conversation. They really can be focused on what that person's interested in. And that is automation that helps with um, tasks within HubSpot. And then also can be automated sent to Slack and there's just so many things with that that helps um, everybody kind of talk the same and work the same. But yeah, that's just an example for the marketing side. But so, yeah. 
Loom videos are yes. the best. They so are. Totally- <laughs> They are. And I loved their wrap up email that they sent out. It's kind of like the Spotify top five, but it said like how many um, Loom videos you've created this year, how many views you got, like your top interactor. I was like, oh my gosh, I love this. And I want to create this now for our software. Like, you know, I was like, this is uh-huh. the coolest email ever. But then also my brain being the competitive person I am, I'm like, oh, I want to be the per- like our niche, like he, our CEO, he does a lot of Loom videos, especially on our software for our team. And um, I'm like, oh, I want to beat the amount of videos he makes. Like, you know, I was like, I saw his number and I was like, oh, I want to beat that. And he like laughed. I was like, but that's just my brain being the competitive person I am. But so yeah, <laughs> Loom is great. Um, do you have any final thoughts for anybody stepping into RevOps and trying to figure this out to help with their headcount? Is there anything, any major learning lessons you've had that you're like, oh, I wish I knew that going into this? Um, honestly, I would, if you're really like you're new to it, there's so many resources out there um, in the sense of just like blogs and eBooks, but not even that, not even that, just the associations now that have come about because of um, RevOps being a, hot topic or a thing that people are doing there for a career. Um, one of them, like women in revenue. And if you're like a woman, even if you're a man, I'm sure you could learn something from it, but it's an association. And they, I learn something all the time with them. Their um, executive director, Deanna is one of the sweetest, smartest, awesome people out there. And she um, does amazing things like for that business and just people in general. And I definitely would get your feet wet in some type of organization. Um, there's a lot of agencies out there now that are RevOps um, agencies and learning from them, reach out on LinkedIn because this is a new space. And if you are newer to um, just it in general, or even you're thinking about going into it, send someone a direct message or a private message on LinkedIn and just kind of have that conversation with them and talk to them because in the RevOps world, what I've learned um, is people just want to help people. <laughs> people want to eliminate that, oh, I should have done this because we, in the RevOps world, we're all process-oriented people who have backgrounds in sales, CS, and marketing, or one of those, and you've kind of dabbled in different things. Um, but we want to help each other because essentially it's going to help businesses all, like, collectively. So just reach out and don't be afraid to ask questions. Um, and the first step I would say, definitely just talk to each of the members of your team and that in every like department, and I'm talking even like finance, I'm talking maybe like procurement, like everything, look, like, look at everything because, um, it will help you not have to go, Oh crap. I didn't think about that and have to go back and kind of rework your stack and then we rework those processes and then rework your thinking of automation um definitely would be a thing to start with is just talking to people i guess that's really my advice on that one is talking to strangers on linkedin and maybe talking to people in your um, business internally because that's how you're really going to find those use cases that's how you're going to find your um like value props for each of your different technologies um, and the integrations that integrates or doesn't integrate with, like you're going to, instead of you having to do that research all on yourself, which you can do, someone at your organization probably knows something because it's there for a reason, but then you're going to find some that you didn't even know you were paying for and no one knows it at all. And that's going to have be that conversation with that technology, obviously. But um, just start talking, talking to people, talking to um, people on LinkedIn and disengaging because RevOps is different for everybody because everybody's like process people and their platforms um, are going to be different. So, but it's all relatable. So I would say talk and just be really like a sponge and be, and absorb all that information because you never know what you're going to learn from it and you never know how it's going to help your business. 
So just to wrap up this conversation, cause there's just some key elements I heard and I just want to get your take on it. So I heard you say first figure out your source of truth. So identify your, where your data lives and all the systems you have and know what those systems are. Second, Correct. identify your customer experience and journey. And that goes across that goes outside of marketing. Uh, the customer experience touches all, uh, all business units essentially. So make sure you really understand from the time a customer has learned about you from that very first impression, all mm -hmm. the way through to purchase to even beyond, you know, within the product, what is that full blown customer journey? Because then you're going to be, you're going to understand what technology fits in within that customer journey already. And you're going to be able to see, um, where you can automate. Yep. Yep. Exactly. And the and customer journey you figure out through talking to everybody in your organization. Mm -hmm, exactly. And I, and I will say when like you don't have RevOps or it's not like a priority, um, it really is going to show in like your data surrounding prospects and customers, because especially if you have like a, a bigger stack or even just a couple little things, um, pulling that data in that you don't, you don't think might be key data um, definitely is something to learn from. And that's what I learned from, from the beginning is don't say like, no, right away. Just kind of hear the reasoning out um, because you're going to have low in the B2B space, like in the tech space, um, you'll have low platform adoption if you don't have your RevOps in place. So if you don't have that full view of your own customer journey, like you said, from um, pushing the button for book a demo to close, your platform adoption is going to be low, which will also mean your renewal rates and your, like your this experience with the company, like mm -hmm. everything is going to go kind of tumbling. So definitely have that full view and talk to people is going to help your um, RevOps strategy go in ways that you don't, you can't even imagine. And I feel like people have come to expect it as, mm -hmm. as buyers. Yep. Um, agreed 1000%. Cause I mean, like we're the people, people are marketing to in the sense of, marketing technology. And sometimes you can see that and sometimes they don't. So it's definitely becoming a, uh, 1000% part of like your GTM and your strategy, because it runs your business. Essentially your tech stack is that part of the nucleus, I guess you could say, cause I say RevOps is a nucleus, but I feel your tech stack is within that um, orbiting, I guess you can say mm -hmm. the RevOps um, space is definitely something to start with, with your tech stack. Thank you so much, Christina. I think this was really helpful in helping people figure out how to get started with RevOps. I also think if they haven't been thinking about it in terms of a solution to this hiring challenge, they maybe their reels are spinning now, which I think is a good thing to really um, find, find some efficiencies. We're going to need it. Um, before I close, I do have, as you know, people first organization over here. We like to get to know people beyond just being marketers. There's more to you than just being a marketer, Christina K. I know that from, from experience. So let's share that with our audience. Are you ready for my questions? I am hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> All right. First question. Uh, have you picked up any new hobbies these last almost two years? Um, new hobbies. Um, so <laughs> I don't know if this is a hobby, but I kind of, so this summer, and you're probably going to laugh at this, but also be not surprised this summer. Um, I kind of missed like bartending. So I went back to that this summer and I just realized how good I am at making like fun drinks, you know? So my fun hobby at home is being just making different types of drinks. Like I get this like cedar wood and I smoke it with like a torch and then I put it over the glass and I make it like very like fancy and um, like speakeasy, like kind of vibe. And my, 
um, house, well, not apartment, but I think like it, it does sound so crazy, but a new hobby is just like making craft cocktails. And then when I was bartending this summer is just testing them out of people. <laughs> uh, you're right. Not surprised, but also <laughs> super cool and not an answer I've had yet. So yay to all of those things. Um, it's an art and I love that. So out of curiosity, uh, which, what drink landed the best? What's your, what's your new concoction that everybody's loving? Yeah. So it's probably a, um, jalapeno blackberry margarita and it's all like fresh blackberries, like jalapeno. It's no like sour mix, anything like that. It's all like pretty healthy, as you can say in the sense of (laughs) healthy as tequila can be. Um, so yeah, probably that one. Fancy. Like never would put those. Yeah, I would never put those two things together. But if you like a it's little, so mm-hmm. a little zing, I could see that working. Yes, for sure. All right, second question for you. If you, I mean, it, it's a ebb and flow. We're in winter right now, so I think the mm-hmm. it's going to ebb pretty drastically right now. Um, assuming there's no pandemic and there's no ebb and flow to uh, cases rising and Omicron approaching. Uh, and you can just travel to be anywhere you want in the world without any restriction. Where would you go and why? Gosh, um, I feel like I have a bucket, a lot of bucket lists. I have a laundry list of it because of COVID kind of screwed up my travel plans the past two years or so. Um, but I would say I would go to like Europe for like a month and just go to all the different places. Like I haven't been, um, and just really try to dive into the culture not really stay at a hotel, maybe find like a cute little like cottage, kind of like the holiday vibe (laughs) and, um, and just really immerse myself in a different culture. Cause I feel yes, America, we have, we have, we are, we have a lot of different, like the, like a variety of people here. But I want to like immerse myself in a culture that I haven't really experienced a lot of. And I have had the opportunity to like travel the world and live in a different part of the world. But I miss that part. And my nomadic self is itching to get out of the, uh, the U.S. for a minute to experience a different culture. Well, if you land in the U.K. or in France, you let me know. Oh, I will. I mean, Europe is, I mean, it's going to be, I really am thinking of taking like six weeks was this is all um said and done per se which is probably going to be like two years from now but that means more money to save so it's great um but absolutely greece like italy france i've been to italy i love italy um i've always wanted to go to greece um france and then um go back to spain and see my because i uh studied abroad there and i want to see my host family because i haven't seen them in like 13 years so I want to see like the girls now are in college. So it would just be cool. To see them. That'd be so cool. Mm-hmm. All right. Last question for you. Um, you are in an office and let's say, you know, all your people are there and everybody's walking the floor and um, you're all together in person. And I'm not, I want to be clear. I am not vouching for people to return to the office. I am vouching for the fact that it is good to come together every once in a while and meet each other and see each other in real life. And and get to know one another in person that I am vouching for. Um, just to be clear on that, but if, yep. if you were all together, Christina, and you could have a song playing overhead, what song would you want playing? Oh my gosh. Okay. So this is so funny. Um, uh, God, it's probably some like uh, 2000s hip hop because we all love that era of like hip hop and like the yin yang twins and um, like, just fun music you think of basically college with because whatever um in this it, funny you asked this so whenever I walk into the office and music's playing I know who was here first based on the music and so it's so funny um because some people like love the hip-hop and like R&B and stuff like that and some are more of like that rock band type so I whenever I walk in I know I notice that just because I love music and so I hear that but um, when I was moving, actually the team helped me move, um, out of my house into my apartment. I had a, um, throwback mix on and they all were all just like jamming to it. So definitely 
some like throwback 2000s R&B hip hop mix would be definitely going down in the reseller agent's office. <laughs> um, shoot me a song so I can add it to our, uh, to our playlist. Gosh. Okay. Oh, can I, can I send it to you? I don't even think of one right Have now. A think. Have a think. And then we're, it's going to be a surprise listeners. You're going yes. to head on over the Spotify playlist and see what Christina has picked for y'all. Yes, for sure. Be ready for it. It's going to give you a lot of energy. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's do it. We need it. Christina, so good. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Carrie. That was my conversation with my good friend, Christina Kay. It has been so good to reconnect with Christina. I can't wait to have her back with me on a live roundtable with Lisa McDermott, where we're going to discuss going from agency to client side as a marketer. I think this conversation is going to be really important right now in terms of how we work together as agencies and clients and brands, because there's a shortage of staff and agencies have staff all ready to go. And we, I think there's a lot of challenges when it comes to brands hiring agencies and the and the overhead of that and the partnership of that and the work it takes to get, you know, agencies online. And I think, I think we can do better. I think we as agencies can do better. I think as brands being, you know, onboarding agencies can do better. And I think this conversation with Lisa and Christina, as well as two other female folks who've jumped between agencies and client side over the last few years, they're going to lend a great deal of knowledge to all of us on how we can work better together. I hope you feel empowered to dig into your data, listen, outline your systems, and start finding ways to maximize the power of automation this year. Christina was kind enough to share with her with me her framework, which you can find in the show notes. This wraps up season 10. Hopefully these eight episodes gave you a boost you need to kick off this year. Here's to a wonderful and challenging 2022. Let's lean into it and find creative solutions, just like these eight guests have. As my coach likes to remind me, as my coach likes to remind me, it's not happening to me, it's happening for me. Let's make 2022 happen for us. Be sure to subscribe so you can be the first to know when season 11 drops in early 2022, where we'll continue to lean into making 2022 happen for us. Who's with me? Thank you for listening to Tea Time with Tech Marketing Leaders, the podcast that helps brands generate demand via transparent, measurable digital marketing. I'm your host, Carrie Gard, and until next time. This episode is brought to you by MKG Marketing, our digital marketing agency of agile experts who specialize in SEO, digital advertising, and analytics. It's hosted by me, Carrie Gard, CEO and co-founder of MKG, music mix and mastering done by Austin Ellis. And if you'd like to be a guest, please visit mkgmarketinginc.com to apply.